I really believe that today's message is going to help you. It's been helping me. I'm preaching to myself even as I stand up here today. Uh, we bleed just like you bleed, but we serve a God that is faithful. We serve a God that is just, and uh, we always win every single time. And uh, I'm excited about today. You know, growing up as a kid, one of the sports of my choice was basketball. Basketball was a sport that I loved to play, and uh, I had the chance of playing against some other really good players. Um, and anytime you were going to prepare for a game, you always wanted to make sure you brought your best plays, especially if you were going to play against some really good teams. And uh, so you'd run your plays in, 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 in hopes that you would come out on top against your opponent. Uh, sometimes, though, players on the other team were like really, really good. So good that even your best plays wouldn't work. When we encountered those kinds of players, we'd always revert to our secret weapon play. And this play had a name, and it was called trash talking. Trash talking. This is the play that we would use uh, just to give us a chance at winning. The purpose of trash talking uh, was to get into the head of our opponent, getting them to believe lesser than of themselves. Because we knew we couldn't stop them, our best bet was them stopping themselves. So I had to get in their head. So I look at some of these players and I, I tell them, you're, you're real overrated, man. Like, you're, you're, you're good, but you're not as good as, as, you, as, you, as I thought you were. And, and I try to get in their head. Or I look at other guys who, who maybe had fathers that were phenomenal basketball players. I said, man, you're good, but you ain't as good as your daddy. You'll never be as good as your dad. I'm sorry to say. In hopes that my trash talking would take their play down to another level, keeping them from playing at their full potential. You know, for people that know God, that believe in God, you have an advantage. There's an advantage that you have. The Bible says that we all have an enemy. We have an opponent, calls him the devil. And the scriptures say that the devil is, is roaming around, seeking whom he may devour. He's trying to keep people from living their best life, to live out their potential. In just the way that my team would trash talk to other players that had an advantage that could not be stopped, the devil wants to trash talk to you to get in your mind, to, to see to, in hopes that you would view yourself lesser than God views you. Today I want to talk about your identity, how God views you, how God views your circumstance versus the way that you view yourself and the way you view your circumstance. You see, the enemy's goal is to get you to see yourself incorrectly. He doesn't want you to believe that you will make it. He doesn't want you to believe that there's light at the end of the tunnel. He doesn't want you to believe that your life can look different than everybody else's life in your family. He doesn't want you to believe that. But he knows you have an advantage. So he's going to do everything in his power to get you to believe a lie. We see this in the very beginning when God creates man. In Genesis, it says that God created man in his image. 
and likeness. In his image and likeness. They're unstoppable. There's nothing that can keep them from their best life. And the enemy, the devil, knew this. So he came in the form of a serpent and he showed up to this woman by the name of Eve, who again was created in the image and likeness of God. And he began to have a conversation with Eve. And he made this statement to Eve as they were talking about this fruit on a tree. And he said, did God really say you couldn't eat that? And they start this conversation. He's a real clever talker. He doesn't just, he doesn't just get straight to the point. He wants to ease you into the conversation in hopes that you would pick up an identity that was never used. So they have this conversation and he gets to this, this point where Eve has finally entertained it long enough. And he says, Eve, God just doesn't want you to eat that because he knows that if you do, you'll be like, you'll be like God. Eve was already like God. But the tactic of the trash talker was to get herself to view herself differently than she already was. It's a tactic that he wants to use on you because he can't stop you. He can't keep you from your best life. So he's going to feed you lies and hopes that you would defeat yourself. He did this with Jesus as well. And Jesus had this, this phenomenal day. Everything was great, like the perfect day in his life. I mean, every day was perfect for him, I guess. He was, he was Jesus. But in Matthew chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, it's a real monumental day in Jesus' life. He's being baptized. And it says this, when he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water. And behold, the heavens were open to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven. This is God speaking. He's going to say something. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. God makes this announcement to Jesus in front of everybody. He's my Son. And I'm pleased by my son. This is just a side note, not really a part of the message. Up until this point, Jesus hadn't done any miracles. Jesus hadn't rescued any. Jesus hadn't done anything yet. But God was making a point that before Jesus ever does a thing for me, I'm pleased with him. And he is my son. I want to tell someone here that thinks they have to have a good track record some years under their belt before God views you with love. God says, I love you today, period, before you do anything for me. Don't let religion seep into a relationship that God wants to have with you. It's not about your performance. It's not about your works. It wasn't for Jesus, and it was not, and it isn't for you. So this statement is made. This is my son. I'm well pleased in him. One verse later, Jesus is in the wilderness fasting and praying. And and while he's in the wilderness, that knucklehead trash talker wants to show up. And we read right here. Let's jump to verse, verse three, verse three. It says this in verse three. Now, when the tempter came to him when he came to Jesus he said this 
if you are the son of God, command these stones to become bread. Jesus had just heard that I am God's son. That's my identity. That's who I am. That's what defines me. But the tempter knew he got an advantage. I got to stop him. So let me show up to him in a weak moment. And let me ask him a question just to see if he'll fall for the trap. Jesus did not fall for the trap. And I wish I could stand up here saying that I've passed every test. (laughs) But if we're honest, we know what God says about us. We know what God says about our situation. But there's been many times where we've fallen for the trash talker. And we've embraced a different identity that God never had for you. So we fall for it. I'm going to be just like them. I'm going to be just like my dad. I'll never make it. I'll never become anything. I'll always be poor. I'll always be this. And the reason why we fall for those lies is because they make sense. The reason why they make sense is because when the enemy shows up at your doorstep, he does not present to you a lie alone. He's going to take a little bit of truth and he's going to sprinkle it on that lie in hopes that it would register with you. So maybe your dad does have heart problems. So what is he going to tell you? Hey, you know how your dad has heart problems? A little bit of truth. Maybe, maybe you're going to die early. A lie. Why is that a lie? Because in Psalms it says, with long life, God will satisfy me. But what he does is he takes a little bit of truth and he sprinkles it with some lies and he presents it to you and we fall for it every single time. But this is what I know about trash talking in my days of talking trash. It didn't work on everybody. There was two kinds of players. Players that thought they were good and players that knew they were good. If you can get to the point in your life where you don't think you know who you are, but you know who you are and you know what God says about you, uh, trash talking will begin to flatter you. There's some guys I was trash talking against and it took their game to another level. They, 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 they gave it to us because they at no point were questioning who they were, their abilities or their potential. They knew that they knew that they knew who they were. And I believe that's our assignment. We're not trying to get God to do more in our life. We're not trying to gain all these blessings upon blood. God's already given them to you. Your job is to get in the right position and not forfeit your position. The moment you forfeit your identity is the moment you're susceptible to a life lesser than the one God promised you. So we're going to learn today, how do I embrace the right identity where I don't fall for the traps, where I don't give in to the lie? There was a few guys in the Bible that were experiencing some trash talking. And I want to look at their life and I want to look at a moment in their life and take some things out that I believe are going to help us today embrace the right identity to the point that that liar, those, those thoughts, those situations 
begin to turn around for the good. There's a story in Daniel chapter 3 about these three boys by the names of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three boys were taken from their, their homeland and they were brought into this, the, 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 this place where they were working for a king by the name of Nebuchadnezzar. This was like a, a big bad dude. And he was, 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 was doing all these things and he was the man in charge. And he was, he was just a ruthless individual. He took all these guys and made them work for him. And, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were, some, they were some next level guys. I mean, they were killing it in everything that they did. The king actually began to like these guys. Like, these guys are, are it, man. These guys are good at everything that they do. These are men of God. And uh, at, at some point, this king gets this idea of building a statue that he would command everybody to bow down and worship. So he made this decree in the land that said this, when the music begins to play, stop what you're doing and bow down and worship this gold image. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're not the kind of guys that are going to do that. They don't believe that. That's not a part of their their faith. They know they're not going to bow down to any god except their, their god. So the music plays and the boys don't bow down. And like in every group, you always got snitches, tattletales. And these tattletales are probably really, really, really upset. They probably didn't like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego because they were like it. They were the guys. So they thought we can finally get them. So they run to the king and they say, King, those three boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they didn't bow down to your gold image. King, what are you going to do to them? You see, the king had said that whoever does not bow would be thrown into a fiery furnace. So he calls the boys over, and he doesn't throw them in the furnace right away. He says, guys, you're putting me on the spot here. Like, I like you guys. Like, Shadrach, what's up, man? They got the secret handshake. But listen, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, you all got to bow down to the statue. So everyone's looking to see what's going to happen. So he says, listen, guys, I'm going to give you guys one more opportunity to bow down. The band's about to start playing. When they do, just just bow down and we'll call it a day. Like, come on. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I might have bowed down. Like, let's just, I don't want to go in a fire furnace. It's not that hard. God, forgive me later. But these were real men of God. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. If push came to shove, Andrew Nava's is not going to bow down. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm totally, it depends on how hot that furnace is. But this furnace was really, this furnace was really, really hot. That's why God, that's why God, created me after Jesus in the New Testament, not not back in the day. Anyways, these guys, they, they, they choose not to bow down. In verse 16, this is where the story, this is where we're going to begin to read. This is their reply to the king. It says this, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, Nebuch- uh, if that is the case, our God whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was full of fury and expression on his face, uh, and, and the expression on his face changed towards Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He spoke and he commanded that they heat up the furnace seven times more than usual. 
And he commanded certain mighty men of valor who were in the army to bind the three boys and to cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their coats, trousers, turbans, and other garments, and they were cast into the, in the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Therefore, because the king's command was urgent and the furnace was exceedingly hot, the flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, they fell down, bound into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Then the king, Nebuchadnezzar, he was astonished, and he rose in haste and spoke, saying to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound in the midst of that fire? They answered and said to the king, True, O king. Look, he answered, I see four men loose, walking in the midst of the fire, and they're not hurt, and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Incredible story. These guys, they don't bow. The king sets that temperature up seven times hotter as those men of the, in that army grab and throw them in. The flames were so hot it killed those guys. These three fall into that furnace, and, and, and we go on to see that they were not hurt. If we were to continue reading, you would see that when they walked out of that furnace, there wasn't even a smell of smoke on them. The king says that y'all don't even smell like smoke. By the time God takes you and removes you out of the place you're at right now, there will be no residue of your past even on you. You're going to sit there trying to tell people, let me tell you my story. They're going to think you must be sharing somebody else's story because that story does not represent who you are today. You mean your kids used to be like that? You mean you used to be a dip by the time God is done? The smell of smoke of what you've been through will not plague you, will not be on you. It didn't have the power to harm them. This is the kind of, God, this is the kind of life that God wants you to live. Because furnaces will always present themselves. But just because they show up, your, uh, show up at your doorstep does not mean that you have to be affected by them. You have a God that will see you through it, that will be in it right in the middle of it with you. doesn't matter how hot it is. doesn't matter how many other people that storm has taken other people out. It's not going to take you out. It took out those other guys, but it did not take Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I know around you, you got a lot of people. You look at their situations and you think, God, well, it didn't happen for them. Is it going to happen for me? Absolutely, it will happen for you if you have the faith to believe it. The Bible says this, that a thousand will fall to my side, 10,000 at my right hand, but evil will not come near me or my family. So I can have their report or I can have God's report. As for me and my family, we're going to embrace God's report until the day that we die. We will believe this. If he said it, we will believe it. We will believe it. We will believe it. I don't care how stupid we look believing it. We will believe it. These guys experience something incredible. They experience promotion. They experience their best life. There's three things that I want to take out that these guys did that I believe we can do. It helps to, to own our right identity, to see ourselves correctly, to see God correctly. The first thing that, that I know about these three guys is, number one, they knew what God thought. They knew what God thought. They knew what God thought about them. They knew what God thought about their circumstance. They looked at the king and they said, king, you're threatening us, but 
let me tell you something that my God, that my God thinks. He's able to deliver us from this fiery furnace. Do you know what God thinks about your situation, about your marriage problems? I know you know what you think. <laughs> I know you know what Google thinks. But do you know what God thinks? Do you know what God thinks about your health? Do you know what God thinks about your mind? Do you know what God thinks about your family? Do you know what God thinks about the thing that's keeping you up all day and all night? The danger to not knowing what God thinks is that you are susceptible for falling for the lie that misidentifies you and misidentifies your outcome. If you don't know what God thinks, the enemy can bring anything to you and say, this is, this is, this is what this is. This must be true. No, it's not true. God's thoughts are much higher than ours. The Bible says this, that, that, that God knows the thoughts that he has for you. Just because God knows the thoughts he has for you doesn't mean that you know the thoughts that God has for you. So God has given you a tool. He's given you a tool that has the power to expose lies. So maybe you don't know what God thinks yet. He's given you a tool, and it's called your Bible, which is God's word or God's thoughts about you and your situation. The Bible says this, and I believe it's in Psalms, and I think we actually have the verse. They may pop, it may, may not. In Psalms 119, verse 105, it says this, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. God's word will expose the wrong identity. His word will expose the wrong identity. As it pertains to your life today, whatever you're up against, I need you to find out. I'm not going to tell you because there's a lot of problems here. I don't know. But the same way you Google your problems is the same way you can Google a scripture that says the outcome, God's thoughts towards that situation. These guys knew what God thought about their situation. This is why they were able to stand there with confidence, not playing into the outcome the king was trying to, 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 to tell them. They knew what God thought. And if you're going to embrace the right identity, that's the first step you're going to have to take. We're going to have to pick up that Bible. We're going to have to read stories that perhaps apply to your life, to your situation. And all it is is truth, what God thinks about your problem. The second thing that, that these guys, these guys they, 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 they knew, they didn't, they didn't just know what God thought. These, these guys actually believed what God thought. They believed it. There's a difference in, in knowing what God thinks and then actually believing what God thinks. In knowing what he thinks, like right here, you're, 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 you're an easy target. I can talk you out of something. The things I can't talk you out of are the things that you believe right here. Whether it's positive or negative, think about the negative things you believe about yourself right here. You think you're ugly. You think you're fat. <laughs> you think whatever. And it's, it's gone from here to a place of belief. So no matter how many right people you get around you, they can't talk you out of it because it's left your mind 
and it's gotten into your heart. The enemy has no power over your life when what God thinks leaves your mind and enters your heart. When I showed up to this church 12 years ago, I came right after a youth camp where I was saved, where I gave my life to God. And in that moment, I really believed that God had put on my heart what I would be doing. And it was ministry. And it was some of these things right here. I didn't tell anybody that because I thought to myself, they're going to think you're stupid. You've been at this church for like 48 hours. And now you're going to go tell them that you're going you're gonna to be used by God. And you're going to tell people. I, I, I knew I couldn't do that. But I, 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 I was thinking about it all the time. And it went from, from just a thought process to in my heart. And even when I had people close to me saying, hey, I don't know that that's like a promising future for you. Like we, we just, that, I don't know that that's, that's your lane. Like this is a phase in your life. You've only been there for, for three days. It was too late because it had already left my mind and it had already got into my heart. So no matter what was being said, it didn't matter. It was white noise because I believed something. How do you get to that place of thinking right to believing right? You have to hear right. What you listen to long enough will produce a belief in your heart. The scriptures say this, that faith or a confident belief will come by hearing and hearing and hearing and what you hear and what you hear and what you hear and you hear it and you hear it. And, and if you hear it long enough, it's going to leave your mind and it will get in your heart. And that's how faith is developed. I know you know what God thinks. But did you just hear that on Sunday and go home on Monday and find out what the world thinks and come back next Sunday and go home on Monday and find out what the world, you're going to have to go home on Monday and remind yourself what God thinks about you on Tuesday when you're driving in your car. I love Q97, but sometimes I got to press pause and I got to put on a podcast to remind myself that I am who God says that I am because what I hear is going to produce a belief. And when you believe, when you believe, it's a game changer. These boys were hearing and hearing things their entire life that prepared them for this moment. These guys were confident. They were believing. How, how do I know that they were believing? How do I know that they didn't just think they were going to be good? They knew they were going to be good. What have they been listening to their entire life that prepared them for this moment? They believed. In Daniel chapter 1, verse 6 through 7, I'm going to know if they're, you know, throw it up there, pop it up there, right there. And this is what's interesting. The one thing you hear more than anything in your life is, is your name, your name. My name's Andrew or my mom. She called me Miho. So that's just it. Like Miho, 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 Miho. My entire life, Andrew, 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 Andrew. That's like the one thing that I heard my entire life. Your name is like the one thing that you have heard your entire life. What's interesting about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the three guys that are facing this moment, is that their real names that they grew up with, were, well, it was not Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That was not their names. You see, even the king in this day understood 
that if we're ever going to have control over these boys, we're going to have to start with their identity. The first thing we're going to do is we're going to change their names. In verse 1, it says this, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah were four of the young men chosen, all from the tribe of Judah. The chief of staff renamed them with these Babylonian names. Daniel was called Belteshazzar, Hananiah was called Shadrach, um, Mishael was called Meshach, and Azariah was Abednego. So the king wanted them to change their identity. The problem is, is that these boys had grew up listening to these names long enough. What's so powerful about this? You see, in those days, parents would not name their children after their favorite salad at Panera. Their, their names were inspired by God. Their names had meaning. Their names many times would define them. As a matter of fact, even when God would encounter people, if their name was wrong, God would change their name. So these boys, their names had, had meaning to it, had meaning. This is what they were hearing their entire life. So Shadrach, that wasn't his real name. His real name was Hananiah. Hananiah had a meaning. And the name Hananiah means that, that God's grace is on your life or, or God looks favorably upon you. God looks favorably upon you. So as Hananiah was growing up as a two-year-old picking on his brother, his mom was just yelling, Hananiah, Hananiah, be nice to your brother. Hananiah, take out the trash. Hananiah, tie your shoes before you go outside. Hananiah, put on your jacket. Hananiah, 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 Hananiah's entire life. Hananiah wasn't hearing Hananiah. Hananiah was hearing what his name meant, which was God thinks favorably on you. So everywhere he went, Hananiah, no, no, God thinks favorably on you. Take out the trash. God thinks favorably on you. Be nice to your brother. Hey, God thinks favorably upon you. Go, to, go, go, go listen to your dad. God thinks favorably. God thinks favorably. So his entire life, he had been hearing this over and over and over. That even when the big bad king in that fiery furnace was looking at him saying, hey, today's not your day. Hananiah's like, no, my name ain't Shadrach. I'm Hananiah. And I believe that God, even in this moment, is about to look favorably upon me. He'd been hearing it. And then you had Meshach. Oh, Meshach. Good thing that wasn't his real name. His real name was Mishael. And if I'm not pronouncing that right, we'll call him Mitchie like we did last service. Mitchie. And Mitchie's name had a meaning as well. Mitchie's name meant this. Who is like our God? Who is like our God? Who is like our God? So everywhere Mitchie was going, he was continually reminded, who is like our God? Take out the trash. Who is like our God? Be nice to your brother. Who is like our God? Who is like our God? You're driving me crazy. Who is like your God? Go to sleep. Oh, he heard this so long when he was standing in the presence of that king that was saying, what God will deliver you from my hands? Mitchie said, good thing my name ain't Meshach. Who is like my God? He believed it. He believed it because he heard it over and over and over again. Then you had Abednego. But Abednego's name was not Abednego. I like Abednego. Because when God was creating Abednego, a.k.a. Azariah, he knew what life would try to throw at him. He knew what life would try to say about him. 
God knows the end from the beginning. And God knew that there would be a day that Azariah would be taking a bold stand for him in front of a nation. So he said, you know what? I'm going to name Azariah, Azariah. And Azariah means this, that God has helped. God has helped. God has helped. Before Azariah experienced that threat, he knew that there wouldn't be a situation that God would not help him from. Oh, that king was loud. Turned that heat up seven times hotter than normal. The very men that threw them into that furnace died by the heat. But I believe as Azariah was feeling the flames, he was reminding himself, my God has helped. And those boys went in unaffected by the storm, unaffected by the plague, unaffected by the heat. They believed who God said that they were, but they believed it because it was something they had heard over and over and over again. We're going to have to hear right if we're going to want to think right, if we're going to want to believe right. We're going to have to hear right. This is why joining a small group is incredible. It's not to say you're in a small group. It's to get around other people that believe differently than you believe. So they can speak the right things into your life. When you start talking doubt, they can come start telling you, no, 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 no. That's not who you are. You're not, it's not going to end like that. You're not going to be like that. You're different. God's with you. What's it doing? It's developing your belief system. They believed it. They knew what God thought. They believed what God thought. And lastly, they declared what they believed. They declared out of their mouth. They didn't, they didn't try to think their way past Nebuchadnezzar. So many of us, we are in our, our problems and you feel like you're in a, in a boxing ring getting your tail kicked and you're sitting there trying to think of solutions. You're trying to think of, of answers. You're thinking and you're thinking and you're thinking and you're so tired and you realize, wow, I haven't even done anything. That was exhausting because you're entering into a fight with the wrong weapon. God has given your words power that when you speak to those lies that try to exalt themselves above what God says about you, those lies begin to diminish. They looked at that king with conviction in their heart that God would rescue them and saying, King, our God will surely deliver us from your hand. We're going to have to stop speaking about our mountain, and we're going to have to start speaking to our mountain. But speaking only works if you believe what you're saying. Speaking only works if you believe. Not if you're thinking right. If you believe right, 
when you believe that you're the healed of the Lord, when you believed that your family will be saved, when you believe that the doctor's report has to change, when you believe it, all of a sudden your words, they carry some weight, not your weight, but God's weight. And it's in that moment that real transformation, I'm talking about what has, has, has defined other people, doesn't have the power to define you. you got to believe right. And then we got to declare right. Let's stand on our feet today as we stay in this moment. I don't know where you're at, you know, in, in, uh, in your faith journey. I don't know what you believe about your situation. But I just want you to know today was just some practical steps that I believe you can take in your own life every day, every day. Every, this is the way of life every day. You can't afford to forfeit your identity. God has so much in store for you. God's going to see you through it all. God's going to turn things around. It's, 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 it's going to happen. He's going to do it. He's going to do it. But he wants you to believe it. And he wants you to declare it. Before we transition, we're going we're gonna to pray. Really, we're going to declare some things. Declare some things over your life. And even as I'm praying, feel free to declare some things over your own life. Because guess what? Your words carry weight. They carry weight. We're not God. We're not trying to be God. But we're going to take the steps that God, is, God is, has given us to take. And as we do that, I believe that God's going to bring the transformation. That God's going to bring the healing. That God's going to bring the peace, that God's going to bring the strength. Let's pray. God, today, we just call you our source of help. You alone, God, are our refuge. You alone, God, are our help. We look to you, God, saying that we're nothing without you. We need you more than ever. God, thank you for your words of power, your words of transformation, your words of deliverance. Thank you, God, that your words are still alive today. That fiery furnaces still have to obey your words. That poverty still has to obey your words, that sickness still has to obey your words, that our marriage problems still have to obey your words, that the confusion still has to obey your words. We declare your words right now in our lives that we are strong, that we are healthy, that we walk in great peace, that we have the mind of Christ, that we have more than enough, that we have plenty, that we are loved by our God, that we are loved by our God. We declare your words today, God, that are so true to us. And God, I ask that your word would go forth 
and do what only it can do. God, I pray for every person in this place. God, you see what they're going through, the way they view themselves. And God, even as I taught your word today, I'm just asking you, God, to do something supernatural in their life. God, the transformation would come that even now your anointing would destroy yokes and remove burdens, that your anointing would destroy yokes and remove burdens, things that we have been plagued with for years, that right now, God, your anointing would destroy yokes and remove burdens, that we would walk in your great peace, that we would see that you are good. God, you say, taste and see that the Lord is good. And in this moment, we call you good. We call you great. Do it, God. Do it, God. God, this is your moment. This is your moment, God, to do what only you can do. Heal the brokenhearted and bind up their wounds. Heal, deliver, set the captive free in this place today. With every head bowed and eye closed, I want to extend an invitation for those of you that perhaps look at your own life. And if you're honest with yourself, you're like, man, God is, is pretty awesome, but I, I don't have any connection with God. My mom does, my grandma does, but I don't know God for myself. The Bible says this, that God so loved you. He had you in mind today. He knew that you'd be here today. And he knew that you would be face to face with this reality that you're not connected to him. He also knew that your mind would tell you you're not good enough. You, 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 it's just God's not for you. You're, 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 you're a mistake. You're, your past is too, too, too dirty. So what God did before you ever found yourself in that moment, he sent his only son, Jesus, who was the only qualified being on the planet to give their lives and die on a cross for you. Why? Because we weren't qualified, but through Jesus and what he did, with confidence today, you can connect to God. The Bible says this, all that call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. We're going to pray a prayer today, but it's more than just a prayer. It's really a declaration of what you believe. And when you pray this, the Bible says that that miracle of salvation happens. So I'm going to ask you to pray this with me. And for those that have already made that decision, let's just in support of those, let's, let's pray with them. Say this, say Jesus today. I surrender my life to you. I believe that you lived for me. And I believe that you died for me. And I believe that God raised you from the dead for me. Today I call you my Savior. And I make you my Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. 
this impacted you and you'd like to partner with us, go to celebrationchurch.cc give to help us reach people with the message of Jesus.